I didn't call the FBI on Teresa, but I always call on myself. I may have aged out of pageants, but I'm never too old to be delusional. (laughs) Oh my God, you know how that works? Because we're both spiritually in the 20s plus, so we're technically younger than Raquel is. By a few months. By a few months. And look at that. Time just flying by. One day we'll be spiritually mid-20s plus. What an, uh, what, what a what? journey. <laughs> Word, this is going to be nuts. What a journey. What a life. What an episode. You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's a recording in the cloth, which I am so grateful for with one of my favorite people to text with to complain to, to chat. He's nodding. You know him as director of social for entertainment at Betches Media, as the creator of Bravo by Betches, as the host of Mention It All. Welcome back to the Clawfest for a little AG Kiki, what the fuck is going on, Dylan Hafer. Hello. <laughs> I I feel that the uh, the air quality index is going to our brains a little bit at this point in the week. So, okay, couple things. We're recording this after uh, the Scandal trilogy has been completed before Secrets Revealed. We're recording this before the new Atlanta episode has aired. So apologies to ATL. But... We just came hot off part three of EPR and New York City is orange. OK, it's not my color. It's not yellow is also problematic, but orange is particularly bad. So mm. we are also coughing up our brain matter <laughs> a little bit. Look, at least we have brain matter to cough up because I'm not sure mm. that everybody on that um, Vanderpump Rules reunion had much to begin with. You know what? And so too potentially NJ. <laughs> look, look, I mean, that's yeah. Yes. We're going to be a little extra zesty. First off, I have to ask you. So we took in and processed part three together Mm -hmm. yesterday at the watch party. Sheena was there. Brock was there. Jax was there. Brittany was there. Lala was there. (laughs) Now, okay. The funny thing is after seeing Brittany, I didn't even talk to Brittany last night. But after seeing her in the flesh, I can't stop doing the voice. (laughs) It it has awoken something in me. Oh, my God. We should have asked her. I didn't. You know, it's interesting. I, or maybe not. I'm sure not. Um, I was like near Jax at several points. I just couldn't bother to go over. And he looked great. He looked very distinguished. But I was so tired and I just couldn't do it, <laughs> which is terrible. Jax looks like he is um, getting ready for a stint to play the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> like that's his energy. Like the, the facial hair is very manicured right yeah. now. He looks a little bit, he looks like pretty trim. Like, I don't care about, you know, people's bodies. We're not going like, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I but don't he know. Look, he like, looks, yeah, yeah. He looks like he's putting effort into his appearance in a way that's like almost, I don't, I don't know. It's different for him. It, it felt to me like specific to the tailoring and the shaving moment because he looked like he was going to prom and he was right. He was, he was the prom king, number one guy in the room 
apologies to James, who's really the number one guy in Brazil. But it, it felt like he was back with a capital B. The B is back. And that B is Jax. That being said, though, I still don't feel like it's that likely that Jax and Brittany are going to come back to the show in a full-time capacity. Okay, so this is so interesting that you said that because I just recorded a panel episode, The Sisterhood of the Scandal, which may or may not actually be its title. And we were talking about the likelihood of whether or not Jax and Brittany and Kristen would return coupled with, do you want to see that happen? Yeah. So separate from... Do you think it's going to happen? Do you want to see it happen? Not particularly. I mean, I think the thing is, I, do I think that Jax is the worst person on the planet? Mm. No. If he came back to Vanderpump Rules, I wouldn't start a riot. You know, I wouldn't boycott the show. I don't think it's that deep with him. I think, mm. you know, he probably has, not probably, he definitely has some shitty things in his past. And I don't think that he and I probably see eye to eye on a lot of things but you know at the end of the day he's he's friends with a certain number of these people as is Brittany like I I don't think it would be so you know out of left field for them to come back but I just don't think that there is really that much there in terms of storyline that we need or that I want to see on the show and I think Obviously, after this season with the level that it got to at the end with, you know, whether or not people are going to be willing to film together, whether it will even make sense to try to have people filming together. I know there are a lot of uh, blank puzzle pieces maybe to fill in before next season and Jackson Brittany might be kind of an easy answer. But Mm -hmm. just in terms of like what's going on in the group, I would much rather just see Brittany like pop in for a play date with ocean and summer than like have to follow what's going on at home with them like it just doesn't interest me do you think that they would and this is a a terrible way of phrasing it but it's an honest one do you think that they would allow it though like they themselves not production Mm. but the idea that they would cameo and not be potentially an official vpr friend of pretending that's a role that exists or a member of the cast do you think that they would be like that's enough um i think they would they would probably only do it if there was a check involved. Definitely a check, but like knowing that they're not equal in role. Oh, yes. I think they okay. are absolutely that um, hungry for a check. Okay. I mean. I do, if there was no check, like I don't think they would do a scene, you know, just to give whoever on the cast someone to film with if, it, if they weren't being paid. But I, I think they would take whatever they were given as long as it came with a payday. And with Kristen, do you feel similarly or is that kind of a little bit of a different energy? I think uh, it's a little tricky because I think just in terms of personalities and dynamics within the group, I would be just uh, absent of the complicated past of these people. I would be more interested to see Kristen in a larger capacity. But also like I don't want to be too dismissive of what happened a few years ago and when push comes to shove Kristen was fired for cause basically from this network and Jackson Brittany weren't like Jackson Brittany were let go between seasons you know whatever the wording was of them deciding to leave being decided for but like Brit- Kate <laughs> 
What's what her name? What Kristen, is her name? Kristen, what is her name? Kristen and Stassi were fired via, you know, white text on a black background on the Bravo Instagram because they did something racist. Like, I I know that that was, uh, you know, like people have forgotten or, you know, whatever. I, I liked seeing that one scene of her with Ariana in the finale. I thought it was nice. I thought it was... Uh, to uh to quote Jeremy Strong, I thought it was dramaturgically correct. <laughs> um but again, I think that type of appearance for her is probably enough. And also I don't think Kristen is at a point in her life where she is the uh, you know, wild dramatic Kristen that was propelling storyline eleven years ago. I think I think a lot has changed since then. And I I don't know if like going back to that well with either Kristen or with Jax is really as you know, fruitful as people want it to be. Right. It's also interesting when it comes to someone potentially being let go. There was an idea at a certain point that Ramona would never be back, but because and due in large part Mm -hmm. to her ignorance and the shit show that was last season. And yet she will return on girls trip. I wonder, you know, Kristen is obviously it's a very different situation than Ramona's and any number of other Bravo Lebs who've been embroiled in yeah. scandal. But if there is if this if it worked for the storyline and the network felt that there was growth, yeah. is it possible that she has taken responsibility and lost several years of uh employment? Um some many would say correctly because of racist uh, acts, is it possible that she understands the gravity of what could have taken place and has learned from it and um, can have a new beginning? Oh, I think that's possible for sure. I don't know. I haven't kept up super closely with Kristen and Stassi in the last few years and, you know, whatever. I don't personally care that much about, you know, their day-to-day lives. I think what I mean more is just the on paper, the circumstances surrounding their departure versus Jackson Brittany versus, I mean, Ramona was never fired from Roni because Roni was fired from the network, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like there. Yeah, that's very, you know, true. for as much for as as many rumors and whispers and rumblings and, you know, sources close to the show or the network or whoever were talking to tabloids about Ramona being fired or Ramona not being asked back X, Y, Z, there was never a season of the show that happened without her. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, the, in terms of Kristen and, you know, Stassi and Max and Brett, because they were all fired as a group. Like they're the only ones out of that whole picture that actually have that on the record firing because they did something racist whereas Ramona it's like I I think we could all you know surmise that that whole situation played into what happened with Roni as a franchise but because of the you know what ended up happening there wasn't ever like pen to paper Ramona you're not being asked back to the show because of this thing that you said yeah and yet the interesting (laughs) thing I think Brett and Max might have been I don't remember if it was in fact a collective when it comes to a statement but I remember that the language used for example um, on social media and otherwise relating to Jenny on Salt Lake City was much much Mm. more direct than it was 
with Kristen and Stassi where I think the language was that they are not going to return and then there was room for interpretation yeah. that like the the network would try to be as hands off as humanly possible and was like when it comes to accountability yeah 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 no I I'm by saying so, for something racist I'm giving Bravo too much credit there really but like just in in terms of like it was a direct response right. to what was happening in the news yeah um versus you know some of these other I mean Jenny Wynn probably got the the sternest one of all and maybe the maybe that dude from below deck who's who nobody cares about who remembers his name but um yeah Brittany and Jax I don't know <laughs> I don't know well you know it does make me think a little bit about the energy in the room last night when we were, were recording this mm, Thursday and there was a lot of energy and spirit and vibe and whatever else and I'm curious for your thoughts not only on like potentially the reaction in the room but also just your thoughts on the reunion cycle altogether like how did you feel do you think it delivered did anything kind of stand out to you yeah I think um I found all three parts of the reunion super compelling I think um out as a outside of the contents of the reunion itself i found the uncensored uh peacock editions <laughs> a wildly successful choice oh my god i think that is a now that they've given it to us in this one specific instance it's like why aren't we getting it for everything you yeah. know if there's if there's just like a you know a bleep filter that they can turn off at the flip of a switch it's like i'd like that <laughs> everything um I don't it's that I mean I think that's obviously a separate conversation Mm -hmm. but I'm curious to know kind of the internal discussions about that because clearly they recognized it as something that people would want um Mm -hmm. and it's like why why haven't we gotten that before you know they're not doing that for New Jersey right now I think that reunion would be interesting to hear uh uncensored and you know pumped up maybe (laughs) but um uh but I mean getting to the actual contents of the reunion itself I found all three to be compelling I think Andy did a really good job for the most part of um unpacking a lot of different things I think sometimes people can come down on Andy for being biased in one direction or the other I think this was a um a a unique case where it was absolutely appropriate to be harder harder on some people and to be openly supportive of others and I think you know Ariana said at the end when she got emotional and was thanking people for their support she specifically included Andy in that group of people that had been really supportive to her over the few weeks leading up to the reunion and I think you know given the situation I kind of appreciated that they didn't treat it like it was some you know objective this is this is the news because it's not um (laughs) I think um I, I mean I to me Tom Sandoval's whole reunion performance was really just kind of bafflingly bad. Yeah. That even given, I mean, obviously he was not going to come into this reunion in a good position. Nobody wanted him to succeed at this reunion. But the fact that he was so focused on coaching and strategy and agreeing on specific versions of the truth or not um and you know kind of having this like party line the fact that he was so unable to 
present an emotional picture that would be resonant with, I think, anyone was kind of shocking to me just because I think I think Sandoval, or at least I have thought that he is a smart guy and that he is a, I mean, <laughs> he seems pretty good at being emotionally manipulative. Mm. And the fact that at this reunion, he couldn't rein it in and couldn't kind of just like shut up and take it in a way that it's like you don't you don't have any sort of winning argument here it is a lose-lose situation but you you could have it could have been a lose-lose where you kind of just come out thinking the same of him that you did before which is like a piece of shit but like you know it is what it is but things like i mean that comment last night about the t-shirt during sex yeah the comment that he made in part two about Lala pulling out her IUD the second she found out that Stasi was pregnant, things like that, that sort of seemed to just not, I don't want to say slip out of his mouth because it's not that they were unintentional, but things that he just sort of threw out there. And it's like, on what planet did you think that that was going to be any sort of winning strategy for you? I, it, it, it really boggles my mind that he wasn't more careful really just about kind of how he was coming across because I think the, just knowing how much thought he put into the actual like timeline of events and things that he and Raquel were saying. And, you know, when Schwartz said August instead of January, it was like, what do you mean? I, we said January, like those types of things. It's like, you didn't stop to think for one moment that maybe you like, barking across the room at right. Lala and James and Katie and Ariane, you know, at all of them basically wasn't going to make you was going to make you look actively worse. And I think yeah, so like I said, it was a lose-lose, but the fact that his reunion performance not only didn't help but made him look actively worse, it, it it's it's tough. It shows an absolute lack of control. There was something, there was some sort of contradiction that he refused to understand, which was Mm. you're no longer allowed to be the voice of morality. The ways, even in the ways that you're trying to, especially in the ways that you're trying to use morality um, as a weapon against other members of the cast when it comes to their past. And Tom would argue their present. Like he didn't understand that no one gave a shit about what happened five years ago because they're still focused on what he's continuing to do now. And Mm -hmm. I think for Sandoval, thinking back, I've been watching random seasons and random episodes like an absolute sociopath with no total chaos choices on Peacock. And Peacock.com. But there is something to be said for the fact that he and Ariana have always been seen as people who potentially from the perspective of progressive values, equality for a number of, on a number of different topics that they've been politically and socially active and aware. Mm. And yet many of those same people can absolutely still be misogynists. And what I think is interesting for Sandoval is maybe the ways that he seemed to be shouting and being a dick to people, especially women, was always for the greater good. And when we realize he's maybe not that great, but that other behavior comes to the forefront, I think it's incredibly revealing. Like, I think exactly as you so beautifully put it, like, I think a lot of the loss of control was confounding, but it was equally revealing. Mm. How much of Tom has changed and how much of Tom is 
who he always was, we're just getting a better look, a clearer look at it now. Yeah, and that I think on this show, over the course of 10 seasons, there have been many different situations where almost everyone in the cast has been making poor decisions or portrayed totally. in an unflattering that's whole, light. That's a platform of VP. That's a foundation of VPRs. Right. Up. And so, you know, of course, there have been other situations where Tom was the correct one or the morally high ground one or, you know, whatever, but that he he can't wrap his mind around the fact that this has really gotten away from him in a way that is going to be basically impossible to come back from because in his mind there still is this kind of like we've all fucked up yeah vibe we're human to people. the show we're human we're human people we make mistakes everybody has made mistakes and i mean to me the idea of a mistake is something where if you if you if something happens one time and you immediately regret it and then you atone for it and it never happens again, maybe that could be classified as a mistake, perhaps. I mean, of course, there would still be hurt there. There would still be, you know, fallout from that in this type of situation. But watching Raquel and Tom on part three of the reunion individually both confirm that they were in love with the other, it's like, how can you? How can you call this a mistake, but then turn around and also say, but this is the person now that I'm in love with and that I've chosen to be with, I guess, at least as of the time of reunion filming day. It's Mm. like you don't get to play the mistake card and also play the I found my new person and I am now happy with them like it it makes it's like more cowardly to try and have both mm. than to just say you know what I should have handled it differently but Raquel is actually the the one Raquel's Raquel's the one for me you know like what <laughs> like <laughs> like it would make him look like less of a coward at least I guess maybe if he was like look I handled this poorly but I realized I was in love with Raquel so now I'm with Raquel But like the fact that he is crying and telling Ariana that he's never loved anyone more than her. It's like, then why did you that? Then why are you? Why are we here? You know, why are we still here? Why are we still here? Why are you and Raquel still together? Like you don't he he's like incapable of fully owning this new reality that he's in, because I think he probably knows that it's a much bleaker reality than he was in a year ago. Both in terms of his standing within the group, his standing on the show, the relationship that he had, the foundation that they had built together, you know, his whatever's going on with Raquel, the, you know, the poo poo house that they're going to be living in a year (laughs) from now, like maybe they'll stay together. Maybe they won't. Maybe they're already broken up. But like, even if they end up together, it's like, I don't think anybody's going to think that relationship is like better than what he had with Ariana. No, and it's also how different is it? Because at the end of the day, Sandoval is the person apparently who demands to be protected. It's never about protection for his partner. It's never really about Mm. pleasure for his partner. Pleasure from his partner is only done in order to service himself. And that I thought was an unfortunate 
um, sort of consistent theme in discussing and, and in the way that even especially Raquel was framing some of that. But the lack of emotion, even in performance, mm-hmm. which you just mentioned, is so interesting to me because even LVP, especially LVP and what I what may have been that bonus scene, I forget if it was included in the uh, in the episode that was shown because I've only seen the Peacock version. Yeah. But with her uh, trying to coach him and say, listen, what we haven't seen, the way that we need to hint, hint, move forward is for you to express contrition. Mm-hmm. Number one, the fact that she even has to tell him that after all of this is wild. And two, the fact that he wasn't able to do it. And I wonder how much of that was because he was obviously, as we found out in having eyes and in watching the episode, mm seeing him actively manipulate but also especially with that last five minute reveal yeah i mean he was actively trying to evade responsibility portray himself as the victim and set a narrative that was entirely false i think that was so i saw a lot of discourse today on in the post episode yeah about this last five minutes and i know that you know, they had built it up to be this whatever, most shocking, whatever, five minutes of all. <laughs> Alex, why did you do that to us? You know, uh, uh, marketing is going to market. and right. Producers are going to produce. Whatever. I, I uh, Do I think that they probably sort of painted themselves into a corner with that a little bit? It was going to be almost impossible for those five minutes to live up to what they were saying. But I actually, the thing is like the the idea that they weren't being fully honest about the timeline and about some of the specific events was not that surprising. But I thought that those five minutes, what actually, what I did really take from that was, first of all, it was fascinating to watch Raquel in real time, basically break down and the the way the producer was able to pretty easily chip away at these layers of the story and of the lies that they had told. And, you know, like three or four different things in that five minute scene, she starts out still lying in the confessional saying, you know, I didn't go to St. Louis saying we didn't hook up the night after the um, after the beach day when I we were in the jacuzzi saying that you know, the Mexico, you know, there's the, all of these different layers that the producer within these few minutes is able to be like, okay, are you lying to me right now? Yeah. Your face looks like you're lying to me right now. You know, you already said that one thing. So why don't you just tell me what you, and, and she broke in three or four different places. Yeah. But so I thought that was fascinating to watch kind of in real time, her you know, sort of lose her nerve a little bit in in sticking to the story. But then more than that, even, I thought it was just fascinating because that scene really, really betrayed to us how much Sandoval was still trying to puppet master, manipulate this whole situation. That he's coming into this reunion with a very specific script of what happened and you know, he thinks that there's going to be this path forward, but it's all based on lies. And the mm-hmm. fact that he still thinks when Raquel says, well, you know, this was the story we agreed upon because he thought it would be less hurtful because, you know, it's really a bad look. And it's like, OK, but OK, so it's it's less hurtful, I guess. But is that really in the long term is 
saying a less hurtful lie that we all still kind of think is a lie, is that really better than telling the truth and actually putting forth a good faith, good faith in quotes, because who knows, effort to really actually set the record straight. And then maybe, maybe there's a way to move forward. And I think, you know, in Lisa's little pep talk with Tom, I don't think she's ever going to get to that sort of a level where she's like, you know, really diving deep. Because I mean, half of the stuff that was talked about on the reunion was news to her. Um, (laughs) She's like, really, for Halloween? It's just Raquel. It's like, yeah, it's on Instagram. Um, But like, but I think just that idea that it's like, if Tom and or Raquel really wanted there to be any chance at any point in the future of these people wanting to move forward with them, you have to drop the bullshit now because if it goes any further, you have deliberately wasted all of these chances where you're supposed to be telling the truth because we all know that you're pieces of shit. We all know that you lied. We all know. So like, why keep up the charade as Lisa says, (laughs) like it just, it's, it just, it, it really paints the portrait of how deep in his own delusions Tom is that he thinks this is like the best way forward. Well, it's also, you know, when she says, because we thought it would be less hurtful or Tom thought it would be less hurtful, it's like less hurtful to whom? It would be less hurtful to Tom. That's the underlying thread here. The person that we're trying to protect is not Ariana. It's ourselves. I don't know. I I think Raquel is on her path, on her journey, and potentially she'll come to that realization. Maybe she disagrees. I think it is a to be continued, but it was uh, a bad, bad ending for Tom. So we'll see. He's still on fucking tour. Can you imagine going to those shows? I mean, I can't can't imagine going (laughs) to the one that you went to. I know. That was a wild fucking night. Um, My God, it's (sighs) it's an adventure and a journey. But I do want to shift gears a little bit because when we're talking about somebody having a narrative and a through line and it may be not working out in their favor, Mm -hmm. there's no one that comes to mind right now more than a certain newlywed on NJ, whose name I truly don't know how to spell, but Mr. Louis Ruelas. I mean, part two of the reunion, I thought was tough for Louis and tough for the characterization Mm. that he works hard to present of a guy who's interested in positivity, spirituality, and growth. Not to say you can't also be mad, but it was tough to watch. I'm curious as to your reaction. I think it is um it's really getting away from him quickly it feels you know we weren't until the the season finale I think like the episode before the wedding we weren't talking about private investigators we weren't talking about Bo Deedle and whoever else you know allegedly having a file on every single per- you know <laughs> That topic came into our consciousness as Bravo viewers because Louis said it on the finale. Right. And then now, fast forward several months later at the reunion, numerous members of the cast are bringing forward these stories that seem to give credence to this thing that Louis himself said on camera kind of proudly. That it's like, I mean, part three of the reunion is going to feature the guys actually coming on stage. So we haven't really seen Louis like speak for himself on this yet. But just the 
just the direction that it seems to be going, it's like, what is the, what would the defense even be? You already said on camera that you have information on all these people. You know, if Teresa wants to say that the phones were getting hacked or whatever. Spoofed. Spoof calls and, you know... (laughs) I like. Do I know for a fact that Louis called Margaret's son at work and threatened him? No, I I don't know. Do I know for a fact that you know Jaden's birth mother was getting you know like all of these things? It's like if it was just one individual story, I think it would be a little bit more of like a that sounds weird, but who knows? But there really is a a pretty compelling picture being painted that seems like. It's all pointing in one direction and it's, you know, it it feels pretty dark. Like, I think as much as Teresa versus Melissa is kind of like the headline, you know, title prize fight of this reunion, I think the the idea of Louie being this kind of like, you know, Lord of the Dark Web or whatever <laughs> is is sort of more interesting because yeah. I think that says a lot more about the the position that Teresa might be in moving forward, because I think that's the type of thing where like, I think a lot of the conversations up until now about how this show is going to move forward and who's going to stay and who might go. And, you know, is it Teresa or is it Melissa or is it both or is it neither or, you know, whatever. (laughs) There's a lot of people have a lot of opinions. I, I, I know that people feel super strongly, but this thing with Louie, that's the type of thing that makes Bravo not want to continue to work with you or makes the the other people in the cast not want to continue to work with you. And I feel like almost that could end up being more of a downfall for Teresa on Housewives even than this seeming impasse with Melissa. Because it's like, if Melissa and Teresa decide that they're not on good terms, the production company could still decide that it's for the best interests of the show to keep them both. And then they can kind of just, you know, figure it out and, you know, fight for a spot or whatever. But it's like, if he's, you know, if his security guard is trying to, I don't know what, break into the reunion or whatever, and people are getting threatening phone calls and people feel, you know, potentially unsafe having Louis around the fact that Frank Catania has, is now so, so hard against Louis. That was kind of surprising to me yeah. going into the reunion. And I think that's telling, you know, that he really is, he's like, I'm not, you know, I'm not a bad, I'm not a bandwagon kind of guy, but I, you know, I think that those cards are stacking up quickly and that could end up being a real problem for Teresa on the show. Yeah. I mean, and in real life, but. Yeah, and it's just so unfortunate. I mean, I was talking to somebody, or it might have been an AG who sent a DM that was like, man, I I can't believe I miss Juicy Joe. And yet, you know, the man didn't even know that his wife was really filming. He didn't even watch the show when he was at camp and there was a limited amount of activities to participate in. He still wasn't interested in watching. And now we're seeing someone who came to the picture admittedly almost admirably as very different from Teresa's ex and it's like yeah he's different in many ways and alas he's different in many ways not to say Juicy Joe was great as a guy or a husband but to say this is very different from what we've experienced 
the closest comparison I could think would be um what the fuck is his name Amber uh, Jim Jim Marchese who was a piece of shit and very active actively involved mm-hmm. in plot and seemed to really thrive on camera in a way that is easy to critique because shouldn't you want people to be on camera but then it's like oh if you want to be on camera how dare you it's it's a gray area especially for the partner of a housewife let alone bravo lab but there's just something here that's raising every alarm bell that i think contributes to the fact that people found uh, some people many people found the reunion hard to watch well i don't the thing with the men on Jersey are uh, a unique case, you know, <laughs> just yeah, to, just true, in the true. sense of how inv- they're a big part of the show, how involved they are in the show. 100%. The fact that these men are filming group scenes while the women are off Great in point. a different country that I mean, that doesn't happen on the other franchises for the most part. And I think that the the difference it feels like with Louis right now with what's coming out and all of these, um, you know, pieces of information is that the rest of the drama within the group in a way is pretty self-contained and like it stays pretty within the group. Like obviously you have these kind of side characters like ex-best friend Laura, as I call her. And, (laughs) um, you know, there's people, you know, my friend Serena and Tenafly, you know, like (laughs) we've we've had these kind of like. God, I love it off-camera interlopers that Mm -hmm. have been, you know, operating in the shadows a little bit. But all of the stuff that's making its way on camera is like, there was a cheating rumor about this person, or, you know, there was trouble at home here, or maybe there was, you know, something shady with their business. But it feels like they're all kind of like maneuvering around each other in a way. Mm -hmm. Whereas the idea of of hiring private investigators about these people and call, you know, these like anonymous phone calls and stuff like that. It's like, for what? Mm. Like if, if Louie wants to be digging up dirt on people, go talk to Laura, go talk to Serena from Tenafly, go talk to Kim D or, or whoever. But like, why are we getting like the the deep state involved here like it's not that deep it's these are you know women who live in bergen county who you know maybe one of them cheated on their husband at one point like i just don't it feels like it kind of it's like i i i don't know if this is like a good metaphor but it's almost like the you brought a gun to a knife fight kind of thing that it's like this this isn't really what we're doing here and it's not fun it's not fun yeah, and it's so wild that like the focus is on Louis as I sort of think it should and not on the divide between Teresa and Melissa. And I want to reference something because I've heard from a couple tree huggers or people who maybe don't identify as tree huggers but um definitely do as members of team tree. Tree stumps as, as Margaret <laughs> called them. Which was honestly, I was like, "Oh, that's actually It's kind of better." <laughs> yeah, I didn't I had never thought of it. I was like, "That's actually a very smart um little turn." But um which Teresa did not understand and thought meant her physical body look and at you sweetie no don't do that don't do that again we oh, barely those... got through you talking about her leggings we can't go back um but but when it what happened to Teresa's workout line <laughs> I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm Continue. sure you can find it on Amazon oh through God. any number of manufacturers abroad just throw on a little photo of her and it's call it exact, a day it's she by charade just put a different <laughs> logo on it 
she my charade with like a jar of marinara sauce as oh the little god. emblem but oh my god i'm sorry no please it's a great question and someone i'm sure will let us know the response um but when it comes to the conversation uh, specific to honestly even ag but maybe also in the greater universe i've heard from some tree tree yeah. hugger tree adjacent maybe you're a flower in the garden you're not the full branch but um people who find themselves aligning with Teresa who've said listen the pod is it's sometimes difficult to listen to because you find yourself um as a listener hearing me often mm-hmm. align with Melissa certainly of late uh or not align but empathize maybe more with Melissa yeah. or agree with Melissa more and what I've heard from people is the the crux of that is that you're taking Melissa and Joe at their word. And there is a problem here with that, because like, how are we why are we always believing them with everything they say, with saying the Gia call went the way that they did with um, saying that, you know, Teresa's doing X, Y, Z behind the scenes or that her intention is bad. Like, how do you process and respond to that? I mean, I think that it's it's a tricky thing because obviously we the whole Bravo ecosystem thrives on people watching the same hours of television and having different opinions. And so there are I mean, there are certain things that I think you can't really account for just uh, a gut reaction to watching something. But I think I get I get the same feedback, frankly, on my podcast I definitely I've been recapping the season of New Jersey mostly with um Jordana Abraham who's one of the Betches founders and she's oh, incredible she's great and so you know we talk Jersey almost pretty much every week the last couple seasons um and we definitely you know I think lean more toward the Melissa side of things than the Teresa and I get some feedback about that because like I said people feel strongly totally but I think the thing for me is that I just I like to think that I have gotten pretty good at the skill of I don't know skill is the right word but watching Bravo with kind of a blank slate Hmm. and evaluating how I feel about what's actually being shown to me on the show versus who I like more and you know Hmm. I I like I try to kind of be almost more neutral than yeah you know whatever I just find that a lot of what Melissa and Joe are presenting just feels more rational to me and that they seem to be kind of the the cooler heads that will prevail in these conversations and I think there are specific scenarios this season that really rubbed me the wrong way with um, some of the scenes with Louis and Teresa and even some of the daughters at home. Just the the way that Louis was speaking about Joe and Melissa and kind of these conversations that they were having. I think, you know, like the word disgusting was used, like garbage. It really seems like Gia and Gabriella have very strong feelings similarly about how Melissa and Joe are terrible and just evaluating it on face value of what we're seeing on the show. We're not seeing Melissa and Joe have similar conversations about Teresa and Louie really. Like I know that there are other things on, you know, Melissa's podcast that Joe has said things that people really, um, you know, reacted strongly to about 
you know, putting food on the table, right. whatever. But I think just on the show, it feels like Melissa and Joe are more kind of honestly at the end of their rope with the situation, whereas it feels like there's this like kind of seed of nastiness coming from Louie more than Teresa even. Yeah. But but then it just feels like even at the reunion, it seems that Melissa is kind of over it, whereas Teresa is like very heated at Melissa and Joe, whereas Melissa's kind of just like, I mean, bring it, baby doll. I'll respond. Like I, I brought some receipts. I'm I'm ready to defend myself, but like Teresa's the one being like I can't wait to never look at your fucking face again whereas Melissa's just like okay sounds good whatever you want like I I mean to me I think I just respond well to the fact that I think they're kind of handling it better ciao AGs I am speaking to you right now from Rome Italy where I am having a little bit of a European adventure while I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites the Vatican we went to the Pantheon earlier today there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in and while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio the owner of the flat there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Obvs. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. 
chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic non-stick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francaise. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. With Teresa, though, and especially, you know, that scene with her kids and the conversation that's been ongoing throughout the season, definitely with Gia, among others, could there be the argument that the reason that they're really upset is because they feel like maybe their voices haven't yet been heard? I would think with the kids, regardless of whether or not I agree with them, that there's a certain amount of carrying the carrying some of the responsibility of empathizing with and protecting and defending their mom that they might feel because there has been a void since Mm -hmm. Juicy Joe has been away not only um when he was at camp and then when he was being held prior to being deported and then when he was deported I mean regardless of how many times they talk to him a day he's not there physically and also he's no longer married to their mother and I wonder regardless of whether or not they're like whether or not I necessarily agree with the reasons that they're upset or understand them maybe as a better use of the word, the fact that they have so much upset, I wonder how much of that has been informed by Louie and Teresa and how much of that is simply them trying to defend her in the ways she hasn't. Yeah. And I think with, um, you know, with Gia definitely, and I think Gabriella more this season than we've seen in the past, they're old enough to have their own opinions totally. about the situation. Totally. I it's not like I it's not like I think that it's irresponsible or wrong of Teresa to let Gia voice an opinion on the show. I think it's 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 tough. I think with the daughters, I don't begrudge them whatever opinions they have and I obviously this has been an ongoing situation in all of these people's lives more so than even what we see over the years on the show. But I think with with Teresa, it does feel like the Joe Judice piece is interesting. And I think maybe because he is 
sort of away and not around yeah able to be present in their lives in the way that he was before it feels like maybe she's kind of you know passing off some of the feelings that she would direct at him mm-hmm. onto other people whether that's her brother whether that's um you know mysterious other people <laughs> you know even like at um at the reunion when this conversation comes up about Melissa and Joe hanging out with people that were responsible for them going to prison and mm. when when Andy pipes in and says Teresa your ex-husband is the one that was responsible for you going to jail. And like, I I still don't think Teresa is really able to engage with that reality in a way that feels complete. You know, I I think, uh, you know, maybe she could like, you know, thumbs up that statement and be like, yeah, I know, but it doesn't, it feels like there still is some searching for somebody else to blame a little bit. And that it's like, at the end of the day, this is a situation that was, was litigated, you know, literally in a court of law, but also on the show and in your life and all of this stuff. And that it's like, maybe we should focus on the problems that are happening in your life now and not something that happened six years ago that then, you know, Jacqueline slithered into your DMs and made you change your mind about because now Melissa's more evil than Caroline. Yeah, and I just um, Googled because I was like, what the fuck did they, like, what was it? Like, we're talking about bankruptcy stuff and, you know, she was denying what she pled guilty to in that moment and maybe what actually occurred. So according to the justice government, um, the government of justice, they pled guilty before a U.S. district judge in Newark federal court to several counts of a superseding indictment returned against them in July of 2013. They each they each pled guilty to one count of conspiracy to commit mail and wire fraud, one count of bankruptcy fraud by concealment Mm -hmm. of assets, one count of bankruptcy fraud by false oaths, and one count of bankruptcy fraud by false declarations. Juicy also, Juicy, oh, Juicy Joe also pled guilty to one count of failure to file a tax return. And that was as of whenever this uh, came out in 2014. So who knows what changes, if there were any additional charges. Yeah. Nine years ago. Nine years ago. And we're talking about whether or not, whether or not Joe and Melissa were involved. We're hanging out. We're hanging out with people that Juicy Joe used to work with. Sounds like one of whom maybe had some sort of deal in which to turn on Juicy J. It's the kind of thing where I I think again go going back to sort of the the root of why I lean one way or the other in this thing I just find Teresa's um tendency to return to things that are in the distant past as if they are the key points of the conversation we're having right now really really exhausting you know on part 1 of the reunion you blink and suddenly we're right back at the christening and it's like you went behind my back to get on the show and it's like babe i at this point like i i i don't care and i don't it's it's you know maybe she clearly she does feel like there still has never been kind of like justice for that situation you know whatever but it's like it just is it, it to me as I I want to be a rational person. I tried to be a rational person. It's like 
you gotta move on. And I want, I want for Teresa's happiness and life and peace of mind. I want her to move on. It's not even like, it's not even like shut up because I think you're wrong. And, you know, team Melissa and, you know, stop saying mean stuff about Melissa. It's like, you have to let go of this. Well, I think her way of processing it is firing Melissa, like Teresa firing Melissa and saying as a sister-in-law and as a co-worker, a hundred percent and saying you're gone now, you're canceled. I think that's Teresa's way of saying, guess what? I am moving on. I'm going to reference this thing that I'm still fucking pissed about because I feel like you didn't admit what actually happened and the way that I will now get justice is by declaring to the cast, production, cameras, and audience that you are no longer going to appear on this thing anymore. This thing that I owned, that was Mm -hmm. my thing, my celebrity, my fame, I made it what it was in that flipping the table and everything else. You came in trying to get your piece, which I didn't want. You're still here, and I want it back. Like I I don't know how she can get over it when she might not have the tools to do that and then is continuing to film. But it's like I'm answering my own question because we've seen them try to move on so many times. It's like, the as you said, the spiral back to the beginning doesn't help even the present argument unless the present argument is based on the spiral at the beginning. Like, there should be updated reasons that you hate Melissa that don't have to do with this other thing, which is, I understand, like, quote, like, LOL to me using this phrase, but like, it's privileged of me to suggest that because I'm not in her position and I'm not a tree hugger. So to like deny her upset of that, I actually don't want to invalidate it, but I do need to suggest that this is yeah. a thing that they seemed to heal from. So like, there are other wounds here yeah. that can't all relate back to season three. Well, I think that's that's something that we honestly get in Housewives all the time in various different so formats. True. The so I, true. The idea of we're going to make up right now and because of the agreement that we are coming to right now to move forward in our friendship everything that has happened up until this point that we, you know, an hour ago on TV weren't on speaking terms. And now that is null and void. And we agree to move forward. And I think, you know, we've seen varying levels of success with that type of, um, you know, clean slate truce. We saw one earlier in this reunion with Rachel and Danielle and uh, Which was so funny if, to me. That was so they, funny to me. If they both, Daddy doesn't like it. Okay, bye. If, <laughs> we if, love you. If we they, love each other. If they both stay on the show, we will see how that goes. <laughs> um, but you know, I think with <sighs> with that type of thing, it, it feels like Teresa and Melissa have, at certain points, gotten to that agreement point where it's like, okay, we have we've exhausted our resources to fight about this. Let's have peace, peace. That's we keep coming back to peace and we'll move forward from here. We're, we're family and that's what matters. But like Teresa has never actually, actually moved on from 
those initial things. And I mean, before even the circumstances about Melissa joining the show, Teresa still doesn't think that Melissa was the right girl for her brother. Like, I I truly think that still we're at that basic of a level of them existing in this world together. It just feels like how, like, truly how, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. It's, it's, I mean, it's exhausting. Well, Melissa doesn't understand Joe, according to Teresa. Melissa, you're joking in Ireland about texting or getting in touch or I forget what the exact. uh, Drunk dialing her ex. Drunk dialing your ex. You're joking about that? Does does your husband, my brother, Joe, no, Joe, know that you're joking about as that? As a married woman, I as don't a married think you should woman, be out. I mean, there the fact that she wasn't there for the meeting. It's there is a reason <laughs> that some of these um, decisions were made or responses were had. I think you're exactly right. It, that's the inciting incident. It's just specific yeah. to the show. It's getting cast. Well, and I think, uh, I mean, that also plays into this uh, Melissa cheating rumor that was bubbling uh, through a lot of this season that it was treated as this nuclear bombshell of information that was, you know, passed from Laura to Jennifer and Teresa, which was passed to Danielle, who, you know, ha- had to put on the hazmat suit and go into the field to detonate it. But then it turned out that actually Jennifer had already taken care of that before filming, you know, that whole rigmarole that Danielle uh, was was set up. Um, but and she know- and she knows and she it. knows um, she, she whispered. She tried her best <laughs> behind the door, behind closed doors. She knows it. Um, but that that was to me seemed a similar type of situation where I have to imagine Teresa thought that was going to be seismic information for Joe and that it would, you know, be some revelation that would make him see that he deserves better, you know, what, whatever the end goal is for Teresa with her brother but that it never was that and it never was going to be that and i think with with Joe and Melissa they've been on this show for over a decade now and we've really never seen them have a real a real moment of crisis in their relationship a couple seasons ago the there COVID was covid partying yeah the i book. mean uh, but I, but the thing with that is that it's like I think we've seen them go through ups and downs yeah, on the show. Yes, definitely. And I think, Most definitely. I think that has been interesting and compelling, or maybe people think it's a fake storyline, like some of the other stuff that Melissa has had going on. <laughs> yes, that's the thing to I, talk about. You know, yeah. I, uh, whatever. Because of her not being real. Right, that yeah. it's, it's not that their marriage has been perfect and flawless and there's never been any, you know, strife, but that it's like we have not seen – Melissa go through heartbreak on this show. We have not seen Joe be pushed to his limits and be deciding whether or not he wants to stay in his marriage. And I think that Teresa would frankly just love to see that because she has been through all of that on the show. And that sucks for her. You know, it sucks that she's gone through all of that on the show. And as much as she loves to be like, I got divorced on the show. I went to jail on the show. I got married. I gave birth on the show. You know, that's her like, you know, listing off the resume. Rally and cry. Rally and cry. But also it's like a lot of that stuff is, is, is negative. And if Teresa could choose not to have gone through all of that in the last 12 years on the show, 
wouldn't she wouldn't she choose the reality where she never went to prison and didn't miss the year before her dad died and, and didn't mom. and her mom and 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 didn't get divorced you know all of those things it's like maybe you can argue that Melissa's had less going on on the show but wouldn't you prefer to be in her shoes a little bit not even in a jealousy way just in like a she's she's had an easier 10 years than you have and that's that sucks for I mean it's I don't I think Teresa has really honestly been through it many times and it's been it's made for compelling TV but like it doesn't sound it it hasn't been an, an easy time for her that is such a good point and I'm sure where a lot of the anger comes from not only because of what she's sacrificed um just by way of circumstance and what she has done and what she's been punished for but also the fact that she had to go through it and others have not I mm-hmm. I I could understand an amount of rage existing from that and exactly as you said you know, going to jail, obviously not necessarily a point of pride, something Melissa pointed out to pretty effectively. <laughs> right. I mean, Mel- Melissa has not uh, has not been an angel. Like, that's the thing. When I when I agree more with Melissa than Teresa, it's not because I think Melissa has never made a mistake or said anything that's below the belt or anything like that. It's like Melissa's side of the street has not always been spotless. But like, I just think Teresa is 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 kind of projecting a little bit with some of this stuff. Speaking of projecting, <laughs> Jen Aiden took to Twitter to agree with a tweeter, Twitterer, who tweeter, Twittered her and said, why is Andy, something along the lines mm. of like, why is Andy's always pissed at you? And she was like, not always, just like most of the time, LOL. Which was, I would think, in response to a certain amount of critique she has received, an interesting you know, point in timing for her to say that he has been unfair when I would think she should consider herself fairly lucky that the Louis Michigas and Tree versus Melissa blocked out the fact that she was doing some very, very, very heavy maneuvering mm. in which to manipulate Danielle to taking right. the blame and saying these things on camera, these things that apparently as it turns out, Melissa was already aware of because Jen told her that. Right. I think we have saluted housewives in the past for having a producer mindset. Yeah. And I think that when deployed carefully Mm, and skillfully, that can be a, a blessing to have someone in the cast that thinks that way and can see that way and I think Jersey has has a few of them and to varying effect but I think with this storyline knowing what we know now there was so much time this season devoted to this passing of the hot potato of this information that really was a total non-event and knowing that Jen already knew all of that if I was if I was on the production team or you know thinking about casting it's not that I think like I'll fire her because of this but but that it's like hey we love that you're like wanting to bring something exciting onto the show but like you can't be setting it up in a way that it already is 
so preordained how it's going to come out. And then all we have to have is one conversation at the reunion and everybody watching the show will understand that that's how it was. Because I think I think if we had never found that out. Right. It would have been like, wow, this was kind of shady. And uh, wow, I guess Melissa really was able to just laugh it off. And I guess good for her. But also like, you know, I, I wasn't totally like mad at that storyline during the season I thought it was you know you know interest something it was something to to talk about but I mean knowing that for 14 episodes we they already knew how that was going to play out it's like okay I, I would have liked to see something like a bit more uh a, a bit more up in the air maybe yeah and the thing with Jen is she's so smart and mm-hmm. I think really quick and really funny I disagree with her on almost everything that she says, but I really oh same. I appreciate her as a housewife. I do, and I apparently that's a polarizing take. I, I'm constantly surprised by the takes, the ways that I think, but it's all perception. Like an opinion like that would be shocking to people. Mm-hmm. It's also why many content creators and podcasters don't talk about New Jersey because the fandom is especially punitive and yeah. extremely toxic. Um, the conversation, the discourse, all of that. And unfortunately, many active people on social media specifically as well. The Jen thing was so interesting to me, though, because I was like, she's so funny. She's, she, can, she can be smart. She is intelligent. She couldn't come up with the single fucking reason why this took place. It felt like it hadn't occurred to her that at some point, as you said, some she would need to answer for the timeline. And yet Melissa obviously knew it all along. She remembered having that conversation with Jen. It was sort of a disservice that it came out at the reunion and not during the finale or another episode we kind of missed out on that but also it may it makes it clear how important for jen it was that danielle not say anything to melissa until the end of the season why because because knowing that melissa knew already the information if melissa had caught wind of it in episode seven she would have said or may have said Hey, I already know about this. You can stop with this whole whatever. It's not a big deal. Joe and I already talked about it, whatever. And then the storyline disappears for the second half of the season. See, but I sort of disagree with that because I think it's not always about the crime. It's about the cover up. Mm. I think had that come out, it would have been a like, hey, what, Jen, why are you talking about this when we've already talked? And also yeah. you're saying, I don't know that this would have come out until the reunion, but at one point Jen said on camera, Teresa believes that this happened. Teresa believes the rumor uh, yeah. that Melissa was stepping out or whatever the fuck the specifics were. So it's like that not existing and being a part of it would have been so interesting for me because it would have put tension and pressure on Teresa, obviously, but Jen. Oh, y- y- yes, I agree. I think from Jen's perspective. Oh, yeah, Jen. For, 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 Jen's, for Jen's interests, it was imperative that Danielle not totally. tell Melissa until the finale. You are 100%. Yeah. I totally got it. Apologies. Yeah. No, you're 100% but, right. But you know, I think the producer mindset, it's interesting to talk about this as one Tamara Judge returns to Orange County. Because oh I God. think she is one of Dylan. the inventors of that game. 
I mean, it's the re- it is the real imitation game of Housewives, and she was really <laughs> Dylan's losing his shit. She was really Teresa, t- Tamara Judge, the the Alan Turing of uh, of Housewives. I mean, am I wrong though? Am I wrong? Alan Turing was jailed for being gay. Tamara Judge was put on pause for being too Tamara? strategic. <laughs> I can we laugh. I can say it. Happy Pride Month. Oh my God. (laughs) Jesus Christ. This is um have a healthy dose of humor when you're listening to some of these talks. Um yeah, Orange County happened. Hashtag as we all know proudly, I stand for Shan. Her confessional, this is not the most important part. You're literally talking about Tamara, but I just need to pay respect to Shannon's like bright fucking pink confessional look with like sort of like the sexy bondage leather underneath. I could have stared at her for hours. I'm so glad that my fumbling, sweet natured, confused queen has returned Mm -hmm. with her lemons, her orange, her varying citrus you know, real for real. I'm I'm so glad to see her back. I am so nervous for her. I'm a little bit troubled. Well, it's going to be, a t- it's a tough ride to be a chance, Stan. It really is. It is interesting going into this season that uh, Tamra, Shannon, Vicky, and Taylor have been posting so much together. Yes, talk about strategy. Quattro, qu- quattro Amigas. <laughs> Core four. Core four, sure. The blondes, the blondies. <laughs> hey. That it it does to me feel a little bit like this um Shannon and Tamra reunion tete a tete that we're setting up for next week. I'm interested to see how it plays out, but at the same time, we sort of already know the ending, given that they are clearly, you know besties again or whatever mm. so like that to me is a little bit like okay like i'm interested to see, to see how this lunch goes but at the same time like i don't i know they're not going to end up as enemies at the end of the season so yeah i think it was on jeff lewis there was a, a question sort of around you know what are you most excited about or whatever it was i don't even remember if it was like rose or thorn something and her response was like vicky being back and i'm thinking like okay what it's you. They're apparently going. They're doing a little. They're trying to do a tour. They're doing a live show at the end of June. And they said, Shannon said repeatedly, it's not a Q and A. Unlike other tours, wink, wink, like what's going on with the ladies of New, ladies York, of New York. This is not a sit down on a couch. We're going to be singing. We're going to be performing. There are going to be skits. And first off, if anybody, please, any you know satchels of gold from any attendees it's a pricey show she was going through the um price codes and jeff lewis was like wow like more than taylor well, swift as, good for you but as, um i'd sur- love to hear from people if you as know. survivors of sonia in your city <laughs> oh my god that was that was one of the wildest nights in I, and outside the bravo universe i've ever experienced i don't know that i would recommend singing and dancing and skits oh my god I would love to see it honestly it's like I could I know how much the tickets are because Shannon said it and I study her like in art so if you want to meet them meet and greet I think was 250 GA is 75 Jeff had that exact response GA is 75 yeah and I think it's a comedy club in LA 250 I think is a lot she said there were only 30 30 slots available I would love, to, I think, I mean, look, I want to see Vicky sing Sunset Boulevard. Like, I just, I would be into 
the Glen Close of Orange County. I would be into it. <laughs> Norma Gunvalson. I would be. I would not be against it. Jesus Christ. Um. Yeah, but listen, Tamra's. I I went on a tangent because you know when you say Orange County or yeah. literally the word the, well, I, I think, have to talk about Shan. I mean, I think rightfully that programming the Orange County premiere immediately before Yikes. the supersized part three of the Vanderpump reunion was a choice. I don't. I mean, I don't. I'm not a programming exec. I don't know everything I that am. goes into I those do that decisions. Full time. I think it just in terms of. Our conversation, my podcast that I recorded on Thursday morning, certainly it Orange County is getting the short end of the stick this week. Granted, we're going to have, you know, a few months. I'm sure we will be talking more about Orange County in the yeah. coming weeks and months. So I'm not I'm not too like down on it right now. But the, I mean, the premiere, it's like it's like whatever. It's like, wow, Gina and Heather's friendship that they formed last season isn't the <laughs> isn't isn't the uh isn't the bond of a lifetime? You don't say, wow, when they weren't filming, they didn't hang out all the time. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I I mean, like those types of things are like oh, yeah, Emily yeah, being yeah. like, when, when Tamara went on pause, she said mean things about me on her podcast. I'm like, okay. I'm, I am, yeah. I'm all, I pretty much always am like, somewhat optimistic about housewife season so this is no different i think there's uh there's certainly room for it to be good but <laughs> what's that phrase that everybody says um fellow spiritually mid-20s um plus or whatever sure. who you know like we're all cool it's like you know go girl give us nothing oh yeah 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 that's and it that's kind of how i feel about orange county because yeah. i'm like you know what vpr has taken up so much of our time spiritually yeah. from a content perspective new jersey for a variety of reasons and different opinions being a part of that has been dark and intense. Give me like them being stupid and not really giving a shit about each other and trying to make it become something. Give me you're making clay with like 18 year old Play-Doh. I'm fine with give it. Me, Roll it in a ball. Tell me it's a whatever. Give fine. me new girl Jen hosting a yoga retreat for her yoga studio called Devil Rebel Episode where, one, big where, part of episode one, new. Where the where the yoga instructor, first of all, <laughs> she uh Jen did say a slur in that did scene, she? the the G one. Um the <laughs> Can you can you wait say it to me on the side. I don't know what, what it is. <gasps> Oy vey. Um whatever. Um the the Devil Rebel Yoga Retreat where the instructor had uh, a big case of Whitney Rose voice where she's like Okay, so you're gonna inhale, and then you're gonna exhale. Okay, now inhale again. Like that is soothing to me. I would want that if I was going like, to yoga, which I'm not. I'm here I would for want it. That. I'm here. They do five minutes of yoga. Shannon can't do a damn thing, and then I, I did. Her. It did really. She tick- is so unbalanced in every way. It oh, did really. It really tickled me when they were inside, and Emily and Gina are coaching are coaching Tamara about how she should approach her relationship with Shannon and Shannon like moseys on up behind them. Oh my God. And Gina, Gina goes in the confessional, we broke the cardinal room rule, which is don't talk shit by the snacks. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
true. She's not wrong. She's not. I mean, I have been known on occasion. It is one of my fatal flaws, of which I am unfortunately very consistent in group settings. I don't have spatial awareness when it comes to people I dislike. So if you and I are catching up and I'm talking shit, I am often unaware that the person I unfortunately am this constantly happens to me. It's a terrible tradition to have. They're directly next to me or right behind me. And I truly have no idea until I turn around and I'm like, that that is a moment. There's no camera crew here. There's just yeah. myself. Look, well, I mean, it Shannon and Tamara will be okay. <laughs> Can I ask you, I, I was genuinely confused in watching the premiere Tamara had obviously talked shit about several uh, existing prior members of the mm-hmm. cast on the podcast on social as discussed in the um, within the conversation about Emily. But when it came to Shannon and Heather, I thought going into the season, Tamara was genuinely much more upset at Heather, who you yeah. could argue played a much bigger role in keeping her off the show by, as Andy said, suggesting to Andy that Tamara couldn't be on the show when she still had a specific kind of housewives pod. I was very confused that starting the season, we're pretending Heather and Tamara are like, I don't know, but fine. But Shannon is the problem child. Yeah, I think. I think maybe it's more just like if they were doing their market research and right. finding out more like which relationship do the viewers care more about? Your sort of nebulous ongoing feud with Heather Dubrow or <laughs> your formerly dear friendship with Shannon that broke up over ghosting scenario with you leaving the show. True. And now that you're back, it's like, you know, we got to get the band back together. And honestly, I think just probably from a, from a like production story producer standpoint, I think the Shannon and Tamara thing just kind of like makes more sense. I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that I think it would be more interesting to unpack. Like I, I think the Heather thing is, is interesting. Honestly, I think the podcast might get a little bit, uh, fourth wall inside baseball for their liking. Mm. Um, totally. And and the idea that Heather would have influence over who gets to be on the show. It's like she's saying something they're already hearing they already probably agree with. She shouldn't get full blame for that yeah. for having a conversation with Andy when I'm sure no, that but, was but the also only one just, taking place. But also just I think that's the type of storyline that they probably would rather not get into on the show. Yeah. Of like we don't want to sort of acknowledge that Heather might have influence over who is getting cast. And also we just don't really want to talk about casting that much. Right. Cause even I was, I was sort of surprised in the premiere, how openly Tamara and Shannon are talking about when I got put on pause from the show, this happened. And now that I'm back, I love Shannon said something. I wrote it down. Um, when she's talking to uh, uh, Gina, maybe about like getting ready to see Tamara, and she's like, she's like, oh, she's on the hike with Emily. She goes, she goes, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot in the last few days. Now that I know I'm going to be seeing her again, it's like, <laughs> and and that's so accurate. You know, this is not something that this is not something that Shannon has been stewing about for the last two and a half years. But you know, now that it's here, 
It's here. <laughs> and it's going to be her entire focus. <laughs> Look, wh- wh- what else is her yeah. focus? The the twins <laughs> spending the summer in Europe with their dad? Who cares? Oh, my God. And I also have to say, when it comes to the order of operations, noting that Tamara invented the game, I'm sure a part of this was an understanding she would get to them both. It wasn't a matter of Shannon or Heather. It was right. just a matter of the order of operations. Right. It makes sense that there is more of a there's more of a bridge to be repaired with Shannon, whereas yeah. Tamara is or whereas Heather is kind of a little bit more of like a um you know, a a never-ending construction project. Yeah, and also probably a greater obstacle because Heather brings so much with her. I mean, she has a lot of influence and a lot of of power even in the... Yeah, and I think also just Heather and Tamara are more of kind of like... um, equals in, in terms of their kind of like you know the the Godzilla versus Kong whereas <laughs> Shannon is like a little bit more of like a a, a lesser she's one of the eggs <laughs> right she's like uh she's like the sidekick that you have to kind of like yeah. mend fences with and then you can go take on Heather together like it's gonna you know crack open or whatever and you're gonna see a little deadly predator but it's gonna be cute and it, you need to teach it to walk well, and, and like it, it needs to go to class and all it that takes stuff. it takes time to get to Heather because she lives behind three gates so oh my it none of it and it's like i mean they sold the house because who doesn't want 55 or 60 million in the bank i mean we've all been there you know things happen you have to adjust to circumstance i have have been there i have been there i've been there many times and so there we go i mean it is interesting she's upset that gina didn't invite her to like a backyard barbecue or whatever and then she's making sure that her driver is presenting this pristine basket, including herbs from her garden. And it's like, sweetie, like, first off, do we really think that you care about not getting invites entirely possibly? But like, aside from, you know, deigning to have a piece of pizza in New York City and thinking you're just the shit for like having dairy and carbs and probably a fair amount of grease, like, that doesn't necessarily mean that you would genuinely like fit in with the vibe yeah I think that's that's an interesting thing that there obviously I I get the um the idea of like you know if your friend's having an event and they don't invite you there's like a feeling of of like you know are we not that close yeah but which I, I get I think I it's, totally understand I it. think for Gina to frame it as like a, oh it wasn't fancy so I assumed you wouldn't want to come that might be um that might be an easier thing to throw out there than like uh this was for like more of my like actual friends and I don't really know if that is like a group that you would vibe with or that I even want to like mingle you with necessarily. I don't know. I don't know what that event was. Emily was there, I guess, but like, you know. Yeah, and it could be one could see it as maybe passing judgment on like Heather's wealth. You could also see it as like Heather might not enjoy it. And maybe Gina is passing judgment on the idea of like would Heather fit in? Would Heather feel comfortable? Would I feel comfortable? Like would I feel like yeah. this was enough for her? There is like something to discuss in that but it's also dumb because they've known each other for five seconds and maybe they care because they need to make sure they have an ally or maybe not I mean it was you know it was it was the premiere that I expected which was a premiere yeah that I expected to watch and that was serviceable in a way that made me happy because nothing happened Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to feel this if this continues for 15 episodes but as of right now, I'm like, great, 
you know, go girl, give us nothing. Yeah. Hopefully next time I'm back in the office, we will be a little more uh, spirited in our Orange County discussion and a little less sleep deprived. Amen. We've been we've had quite a week. And also shout out to Atlanta, which we didn't talk about at all. And I feel guilt about the fact that I don't feel enthused about discussing the episodes Mm. that we're seeing. But I, I really am hopeful it's bridging to something that's not the right word but again I am a little bit tired that that we're like getting somewhere where there's going to be some sort of action but right now I just am kind of like I don't totally get what's happening and I feel kind of weird about it and I all, don't know what to say about Marlo all you need to know is that Marlo did not slam the door in Manetta's <laughs> face it was a heavy door that actually uh pulled shut automatically but she did I mean she did sl- I mean like she I know that we're it. joking but like it was very clear that she like hit her with it, not hit her with it, but it was very clear that she uh, put that she pushed it. You know, I feel like if that had gone slightly differently, we could be in a situation of do you remember when um, when Candace and Monique had their moment on Potomac, their moment, um, oh my their gosh. altercation and people were literally talking about like the physics of the table and like. <laughs> And the hands. The vest and like whether she yeah. brought, you know, like. And Robin. Like we could do like a, a 3D rendering of if the door. If only we cared enough. Um, but, you know, maybe next time. Maybe we'll get to that point where there will be a 3D rendering <clears throat> where we'll be like wild enough to want that. I'm just not there. I have to be honest. Like there's just too I, much going on. I do. <laughs> too much. I'm upset. Yeah. Too much I content. Mean, we don't. We really don't need to get into it. But I, I do think that that trip to Birmingham was the momentum kind of ground to a halt because, well, the first night there was that weirdness of them getting like asked to leave that party that they seemingly must have gotten permission to film at. Right. That didn't make sense to me. But then also the reason they were there was this football game that they didn't even end up getting to go to. So I, 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 I think that was kind of like a, a weird, like aborted mission of a trip that then was like an awkward episode and a half of TV. I also think from the perspective of Kenya's decision or maybe production's decision, who knows, to make sure that the women were surprised by Kenya performing, Ugh. that meant there were no stakes. There was no anticipation, no conversation around her actually playing a role, what that means to her. There was no bonding in that moment. We're all here to support her. We understand we're here to support her, but not knowing necessarily that all that there the was anything outs. real to support. Watching right. watching the women on that night when they got back to the hotel, sort of mutiny a little bit of like, oh, yeah, why yeah. the fuck are we here? We don't. What's going on? So odd. It was. I don't know that we've ever really seen a trip like that on Housewives, where it's like everybody kind of is just like. I don't want to be here if there's no reason to be here. Can you please tell us why we're here? Well, I mean, there was the trip to, um, oh my God, where they go? Wyoming or whatever on New Jersey, where it's like, could we? Oklahoma. Sure. And also Wyoming on New York, where it was like, of all the places. Yeah. yeah. This is not St. Bart's, but like, there was like, Jersey's a better example because it was like to visit, I think, I don't even remember. I think it was like a friend of Marge's. Yeah. And there was the like, but like literally, why are we here? But at least that was a trip to visit a friend of Marge's. This was like, we're going to a different state to do this thing. But like, you seem to think that we should have a specific kind of caring, specific to understanding like it's a big deal for your business, but like 
what why yeah, why are we here and why do you feel so upset at us right and like Manetta wearing the the silver jumpsuit to the charity right. event and Kenya oh, Kenya yes, was please. so Kenya was so upset and then it wasn't even what Kenya thought it was gonna be like it was just bizarre I mean it was bizarre yes. but then also the the actual situation once they got there was biz- I mean it confusing. was confusing I think that really that was in some ways maybe Kenya or production's fault but then also just the circumstances i mean kenya getting sick all that stuff it just was like that trip really kind of was like dead on arrival also correct me if i'm wrong and i wasn't i just wasn't vibing with the episode but like manana wasn't aware she was going to that event or or the um vibe or style of the event wasn't it I could be completely wrong. Genuinely, I forget. But didn't Kenya sort of like half-ass announce it on the bus when they were literally like arriving to Birmingham? It wasn't like she told them for reasons I don't understand, even a TikTok or like rundown of what they were doing. It was like, and then we're going to this thing. Why would you expect that someone would bring with them a specific kind of conservative cocktail dress when you're going on a girl's trip to like... Do whatever. For one, and you probably thought you were going to like a fun restaurant right. for dinner. I thought, no, I, it was weird. It, it was, was weird. It was weird. All so around. apologies to Atlanta. And I really do feel bad, but I think we covered it for unfortunately much longer than I have on some recent episodes. So um, kudos to them. No, honestly, I feel, I feel good that we spent these like five minutes talking about it because I think we actually like. We got somewhere. We crystallized yes. the weirdness around that trip. And I'm hope, I think we're both hopeful that it'll be kind of ascendant from here but it's it it is in a weird spot right now yeah and I'm glad that we acknowledged it that's a really great point listen there is nothing I want to acknowledge more than how much I love every time you come on the people's people's couch we're here in the clawfist we are about to record an episode I believe that you guys just heard of a certain show called taking it personally about a certain show called the idol so um we have a couple of thoughts on that i'm very excited to deep dive the first episode with you your holiness sir dylan hafer yeah dill tell the people a little bit about mention it all and where they can follow you on social wow well mention it all just like andy's girls it's a, a podcast for people who love bravo and love uh talking about bravo and we uh we're available anywhere you find podcasts. It's a mix of me solo sometimes, me with Woo. various guests, including our our good friend Sarah Galley. Um, you know, lots of Bravo Labs, Housewives, uh, you know, Below Deck, Summer House, all all that good stuff. Lots. It's <laughs> so just name the shows. On it's the a schedule. it's a fun little mashup. Um, so definitely check it out. We come out with a few episodes a week. Um, and then follow at Bravo by Betches on Instagram for for lots more Bravo stuff incredible speaking of following follow me on ig at dame galley join the ag patreon number one way to support the pod and you get exclusive bonus episodes and so much more listen you guys have gotten a lot of bonus content on ag classic over the last week and i love 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 the deep dives that i do on patreon um especially because they often feature satchels of gold your thoughts and feels questions and concerns that you send via dm and email andy's girls show at gmail.com um and it's my favorite place to really really deep dive and unpack your thoughts feels about both the episodes you're listening to on the ag feed including taking it personally as well as what we're watching on uh bravo tv.com so would appreciate it if you're interested in joining you get the bonus apps and i get to continue 
doing this social experiment that some people call a pod. So thanks to all of the Patreon AGs for joining. And thanks to all of you for listening to this episode. Dill, a pleasure to have you. You know, I love you. Every time we can connect and, and you know, make a little magic. Um, it makes my heart go pitter patter. And shout out to um, Tamra for like creating the internet or whatever. <laughs> I need to watch that movie again. Uh, I have to tell you. Likewise. All right, guys, on that note, thanks for listening, which I said six times. And lucky number seven, we'll chat with you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.